Okay, so uh, precursor. We're hearing from the Gospel of John. Remember, there, you know, there are four Gospels. The first three are called the Synoptic Gospels. They're written earlier in the new Catholic Church. Remember, there's only Catholics following Christ. That's historically true. There's no other Christians, and there, you, know, you have East and West Catholicism uh, breaking apart at 1054, but they're still all Catholic. You don't get Protestant stuff until you know, 1517 and, and beyond. So everybody's Catholic. Um, and what happens is initially following Jesus' ascension, they're not sure whether they should just do their own new thing, the mass, which they're doing, or if they should also cling to some of the temple worship, the Jewish stuff. Well, what happens is as they continue to practice their Christianity, the Jews, uh, the, the leaders of the Jews, et cetera, begin to persecute. They're all, most of them are all Jewish. Jesus was Jewish, et cetera. So when John says the Jews, what has happened is the gospel of John is written later. And so the Catholic community has sort of gained its own idea, identity separate from the Jews. And so when he refers to the Jews, it's probably about, you know, it's hard to say, but, but you know, quite a few decades after Christ's ascension. And that's, that's what's going on. So in the synoptic gospels, you're gonna hear things like the Pharisees, the scribes, and all the rest, very much specific. In John, you're just gonna hear the Jews, okay? Just to clarify that, because some people, um, well, well, if you all knew that, I wouldn't be explaining. All right, so then we want to get to the next thing. I have two points, mainly. Um, the first has to do with anger, right? So we have this, this scene, the cleansing of the temple. Jesus goes into the temple area, and, you know, he's, he's obviously angry, and he, he shows it. He demonstrates his anger. So we have to consider that question. Um, is all anger bad, or is some of it actually good? The first thing to remember is it's Passover time, or to, to learn, it's Passover time. So people are traveling long distances to the temple. And part of what they are to do is to have sacrifice offered, all right, to God. And that's what the priests do. And so sacrifice is, has been a part of our history well beyond Catholicism, even going back to our ancestors, our, really our brothers and sisters who precede us, the Jews. God has always asked for sacrifice. And he's asked for it in the Old Testament um, in the form of animal sacrifice. And we see it all through. So he taught his people about the need to sacrifice to him. And they would do it over and over and over. So they come long distances, but you know, you're not gonna bring all of the animals with you, obviously these merchants are gonna provide a valuable service and they're gonna have them all ready for the people to sell them so that they can you know, have them offered in the temple. So on one hand, they are offering a good service. So the idea that they are selling animals in the temple area is not the problem. The problem, as we see and as we know from human nature, is a good thing often becomes corrupted. So the, the good service that's happening becomes corrupted because people are, are fraud, defrauding other people, they're overcharging, they're probably turning it into more than just the selling of sacrificial animals for the temple, and they're turning it into all kinds of 
other merchant type of things, right? It's, be, it's lost its meaning and therefore it's lost its value. And, you know, this is Jesus' father's house. So he sees this, that the people have lost their focus and he becomes angry. So let's look at anger first. And you might wonder, okay, so at the outset, you know, how do I know Father John's right? Okay, well, the, the, I am. But the reason I am is because is not based on me. So like, is it my opinion that I'm talking about anger in this fashion? No, I'm, I'm basing my teaching on Aristotle and St. Thomas Aquinas. And unless you have a better moral system than the traditional virtue ethics, and you don't, but unless you do, that would be the argument. So it's not Father John's ideas, it's Aristotle and Thomas Aquinas. So virtue lies in the middle of two extremes. And what that means then relative to anger or any of the virtues is in a sense, it could be taken too far so that you know anger could become rash. It could become, you know somebody could become incited to anger far too quickly or over small things that are not reasonable. Right? It's, it's irrational that they would become angry with X, Y, and Z, and that they would express it in the wrong way. On the other side is the person who does not become angry when they ought to. That's a vice also. It's not just a vice to become angry when we ought, ought not to. It's a vice to not become angry when we should. We should become angry at injustice. We should become angry when people harm us or harm those we love, et cetera. You can fill in the blank. There is anger that is righteous. And then of course, the expression of that anger also needs to be done in a righteous fashion. To not have the right kind of anger when we ought to is a vice, it's a problem. So if you find yourself never getting angry about anything, I would wanna take your pulse. (laughs) How in the world, in this world, really in any era, but in this world, how could there be nothing that'll make you angry? I guarantee if I went down a list, I'd get you all angry at me. (laughs) Or angry at somebody, you know, it really doesn't. So we should not be afraid of getting angry. What we should be afraid of is getting, you know, angry at the wrong things or too quickly or not even getting angry at all. But then if we do believe that our anger is righteous and in in harmony with reason, right reason, then its expression also needs to be appropriate. And there is an appropriate expression. So this is what we would say in our understanding of of what Jesus is doing, that his anger is righteous and the expression of it was righteous as well. Let's move to the deeper point of today, which is um, not about the anger or the right use of it, but the question of sacrifice and worship. So with Jesus, the reason he's moved to anger is because many people have lost the point of sacrifice and worship. They're doing it wrong, okay? And so what I wanna make sure we get right about is why we are here today. Why do we come every Sunday? Well, God commanded it. Well, he didn't say to go to mass every Sunday. Well, he said, worship me every Sunday. And then he gave the Jews very specific instructions and even a liturgical method of doing so. 
There is no such thing in the Bible as disorganized religion. It's all organized and it's organized by God. So he clearly tells his people to worship him on the Sabbath and gives them you know, a, a bit of a form for, well, actually quite a bit of form to do that. And of course, Jesus does the same thing um, on the, at the Passover where he institutes the Eucharist. They know exactly what he's doing. The early church, the Catholics knew exactly what he did. The apostles knew exactly, and they did it. Okay, it's always had that kind of form. But the focus has always been first on what we give, what we do for God, not what we get. And I, and I understand it's important, you know, that you wanna to go to church and get a good message, you wanna have good music, you wanna have whatever, you wanna have good community, that's all very important. But it's actually secondary to our main focus, which is offering sacrifice, and not just the sacrifice I offer on the altar, but the sacrifice that you offer with me, which is both you know, our needs and our desires, as well as our praise, our thanksgiving, right? It's all of it together, sacrificed on the altar. That has to be our first movement or intention in worship. And then what we receive means all the more. And so I know there's a lot of kids, you know, and teenagers and, you know, and you were all teenagers too. So you said the same thing or asked the same questions. Why do we have to go to mass every Sunday? We have to go again. We just went last week. It's not too much to ask, I don't think, that God would ask us to worship him for one hour on Sunday. If you come on Saturday, it's 45 minutes, just so you know. <laughs> Last Mass was 50 minutes. We'll see how today goes. I'm running out of time, so. Um, but it's not too much that God would ask. The other thing is that the Sabbath is made for us. He created us, even at the end here. Jesus didn't need anyone to tell him about human nature. He understood it well. Of course he does. He created it. Not only did he unite himself with human nature, he created us. God understands human nature. He made it. Nobody understands human nature better than God does. So he knows what's good for us. He knows how, you know, the fuel that we run on most efficiently and effectively. He knows what will make us thrive. And, and that has everything to do with the first reading with the law, the law isn't just for its own sake, it's for human thriving. It's for us to, to, to grow in virtue and holiness. And so too then worship is meant for, it's good for the soul to come and put ourselves in the place of one who is both penitential as well as filled with thanksgiving and, and filled with praise and worship. It is good for the soul to acknowledge the God who created us and is beyond us. And then do we receive? Absolutely. And then what we receive really comes alive and is, it means even more. Because even though we're here to just first focus on our worship of God, he of course gives back to us. And so then when we receive the Eucharist, it really opens up for us its, its fullest effect and meaning. So of course we do receive, you know, we have a beautiful community and we're thankful for that. And that's not something that just happens. It's something we do, all of us do. It's something we choose to do. And I believe that one of the reasons it is such a beautiful community is because we're focused first 
on what is most important. We praise, worship, honor, and are thankful to God who sticks by us in our successes and our joys and our failures and our sufferings. He's always here for us. We praise him first, and then we receive from him all of that grace to renew us, refresh us, and give us strength for the, for the, the rest of the week. And then we come back again because it's good for us. He understood human nature. And if we follow him, if we follow his directions, we will indeed thrive. Please stand.